0: Hello everyone, I'm Ashley Matthews from Christ the King, and this is the final week of our Advent Psalm series. We've been reading and praying through the psalms throughout the season of Advent as a way of creating some space to be with God, to make room for the Holy Spirit, for time with the Bible and prayer, as we try to prepare for Christmas and the coming of the new year. We've been reading the assigned daily psalm from the daily office, and today's psalm is a portion of Psalm 119. We'll read together... And then we'll reflect and pray. This is verse 129. Your decrees are wonderful, therefore my soul keeps them. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. With open mouth I pant, because I long for your commandments. Turn to me and be gracious to me, as is your custom towards those who love your name. Keep my steps steady according to your promise and never let iniquity have dominion over me. Redeem me from human oppression that I may keep your precepts. Make your face shine upon your servant and teach me your statutes. My eyes shed streams of tears because your law is not kept. You are righteous, O Lord, and your judgments are right. You have appointed your decrees in righteousness and in all faithfulness. My zeal consumes me, "'because my foes forget your words. "'Your promise is well tried, and your servant loves it. "'I am small and despised, yet I do not forget your precepts. "'Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, "'and your law is the truth. "'Trouble and anguish have come upon me, "'but your commandments are my delight. "'Your decrees are righteous forever. "'Give me understanding that I may live.'" With my whole heart I cry, answer me, O Lord. I will keep your statutes. I cry to you, save me, that I may observe your decrees. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I put my hope in your words. My eyes are awake before each watch of the night, that I may meditate on your promise. In your steadfast love hear my voice, O Lord, in your justice preserve my life. Those who persecute me with evil purpose draw near, they are far from your law. Yet you are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are true. Long ago I learned from your decrees that you have established them forever. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Amen. Psalm 119 is the longest psalm in the Psalter. Uh, The Psalter is, of course, another name for the whole collection or whole book of psalms. And this particular psalm consists of 22 stanzas with eight lines each. That's long. And more impressively, uh, it's what's known as an acrostic psalm, meaning it follows an alphabetical structure. The first stanza begins with the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and then so on. So there's this very purposeful design and structure to the psalm, which of course was in part designed so that it could be sung and memorized more easily, a kind of mnemonic device. The acrostic structure helps people remember which stanza comes next. It's helpful, practical in that way. But the design isn't purely functional, it's also symbolic, meaning the structure itself is trying to tell us something. But we can't really make sense of what that is until we first consider the content of the psalm. As you may have noticed, Psalm 119 is a kind of love letter to the scriptures, more specifically to the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, which were the scriptures for ancient Israel, for the psalmist. Psalmist writes, Your decrees are wonderful, therefore my soul keeps them. With open mouth I pant, because I long for your commandments. Declarations like this are found throughout the psalm. And I suspect, for many of us, we read those words and they sound almost as foreign, or kind of like contextually alien, as the idea of hoping to be blessed with a quiver full of children, whatever that means. It is a hope a prayer, and another psalm. And we read words like that, and they seem to express a sentiment that uh, is out of place in our world. We can't really relate. We don't carry quivers, and we don't pant for the Bible. Both sound a bit antiquated, maybe old-fashioned. Additionally, I wonder if Maybe many of us have come to associate having that kind of zeal or love for the Bible with certain expressions of fundamentalism, hyper-evangelicalism. In those circles, passion for the Bible or certain interpretations of it anyway verges on something that sounds and feels more like idolatry than reverence. Makes us nervous. And yet, the psalmist doesn't strike me as much of a Bible-thumper Actually, after all, Bible thumpers don't love the Bible as much as they love power. And this isn't that. I actually don't think the psalmist sounds old-fashioned either. But he does sound distinctly Jewish. There are these certain moments throughout the psalms when uh, their Jewishness shines through. And we're reminded as readers that these texts are the testimonies of real people who were marked in a very distinct way by their experience of God and his words to them. The Torah, God's decrees, as the psalmist calls them, is at the center of Jewish spirituality. No Jew can pray for very long or praise for very long without meditating on it or referring to it. Torah is a gift and revelation. Israel's whole existence depends on the speaking of this God who has made himself known to Abraham. Torah is symbolically, therefore, and more functionally even, kind of the summary of Israel's existence. It's the first and last word, the beginning and the end, total in its wisdom and significance. It is the letter that precedes every word that comes after the first word. And so now we can begin to see the symbolic significance of the acrostic, maybe. Torah is, in other words, the A to Z or the Aleph to Tov for Israel. It's complete, lacks nothing, contains all things necessary for life and salvation. In Psalm 19, the role of the the Torah In the life of Israel is likened to the role of the sun. So this is a different Psalm, not Psalm one hundred and nineteen, but Psalm nineteen, another one of my favorites. The Torah is represented first as the sun. The Torah is like the sun, in that it touches everything, and nothing is deprived of its warmth, the psalmist writes. Unfortunately, the very important debate occurring in the New Testament over what it means to keep the law, as Paul calls it, as followers of Jesus, has given most Christian readers a kind of unfair or at least incomplete picture of how Paul and even Jesus would have viewed the Torah. Jesus saw his coming, his kingdom, as the fulfillment of the law, not its abolishment or replacement. The Torah was not and is not a burden. Jesus said, in Matthew's gospel, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And that's the verse and the image that's come to mind as I've been reading the psalm this morning. Jesus read this psalm. He prayed and meditated with these words. Jesus, who is himself, of course, the word of God, according to John. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. The word was God. According to the great Christmas hymn we've been singing, Jesus is, one of my favorite lines, word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. How do we know Jesus read this psalm? Well, we know because he's a Jew. When Jesus felt the instinct to pray as he hung on the cross, it wasn't extemporaneous words that came to mind. It was Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The Psalms were his prayer book, which is why they are our prayer book. They've shaped and formed the life of faith, life of God in him, and what a life, what a beautiful life. So we may never share the Psalmist's passion for Deuteronomy or for keeping Torah, nor should we, The Torah isn't the center of Christian spirituality. Jesus is. And our whole existence depends on the speaking of the same God who revealed himself to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who has also made himself known in the face of Jesus Christ. The New Testament says, He is the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the Aleph and the Tov. His light touches everything and nothing is deprived of his warmth. I can't reach out and take light from the sun, but my Bible is right here. And thanks be to God, so is Jesus. So my exhortation to you this week is to find a passage of Scripture to memorize. And my recommendation is that it would be one that points to or reveals Jesus. You would keep him at the center this week. Maybe that's the exhortation of the psalm. If we can't relate to his sort of passionate or zealous love for Scripture, maybe there's an exhortation to focus that passion and affection on Jesus himself. I'm thinking of scriptures like Colossians 1, verses 15 to 20, or the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 to 5, or Philippians, chapter 1, verses 5 to 11. You can memorize these scriptures as a form of prayer. And we can pray, as Jesus prayed, that these verses, these passages of scripture would keep Our steps steady according to God's promises that they are unfolding would bring light as we move through the darkness of this final week of Advent. Come, Holy Spirit, would you help us, Lord, to hear and to see Jesus. Would you, Lord, keep him and put him at the center of our affection and our worship this week as we watch and wait for you, Lord? Come, Lord Jesus. Amen.